to the Richard Wee Chambers podcast. I'm Brian, and together with me is our managing partner, Richard Wee. About um, what's the difference between is it a contract of service? Is it a contract for service? Is there a difference between the two, or um, if there is, what is the difference? Yeah, you're spot on, Brian. I, I think uh, almost every um, human resource practitioner um, or even a young lawyer um, may not really. Uh, appreciate and understand the difference between these two um, but uh, <clears throat> it's actually quite a simple difference if I can just perhaps give a simple way of, of trying to make it underst- everyone understand um, when you use the phrase contract of services it's akin to uh, an employer-employee so a company engage a person to work in, in that company um, to work on a so-called permanent contract, then that's actually contract of services. But let's say if I engage a painter to paint my office, I engage a driver to send me to the airport only, only for that one trip, then that is more or less a contract for services. So, uh, it, some some uh, textbooks in law you will see that it's defined as a like an agent, you know, appointing an agent to do a specific work. So that's contract. Uh, for services, is um is this distinction very important, or is just you know just a, a debate that people just go into for academic reasons? Yeah, in 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 uh, Malaysia, and I, I dare say across uh, the Commonwealth, um, the distinction the distinction between a contract of service and contract for service is actually quite vital in determining an individual's legal position. Only an employee, um under a contract of service will be entitled to invoke uh, the uh, jurisdiction, for example, of the industrial court. Now, in the industrial court, is a specialized court uh, created under law and under the auspicious of the Ministry of Human Resource uh, dealing with disputes pertaining to employment. Another special uh, court for employment is the labor court. So. Uh, when a person or when parties are involved in a contract of services, uh, more often than not, that party uh, may uh, activate or trigger their rights uh, to take the matter to the industrial court in disputes. So there is a fair important in understanding and knowing the difference between contract of and contract for services. Would it be right to say that, for example, um, certain statutory rights uh, and protections, for example, uh, certain number of leaves, certain number of annual leaves uh, under the Employment Act, would apply in such a distinction? Yep, you're right. Uh, there will be some differences in that. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could, for ease of um, understanding, maybe we could go to some scenarios and see whether or not it is con- uh, contract for service or contract off service. So say a person who works on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, which is a weekend plus uh, a Monday, uh, but they work from 9 to five, nine a.m. to 5 p.m. They have a fixed lunch hour. They have uh, the Employee Provident Fund, the EPF. Um, is, such an, is such a person an employee with a contract of service or a contractor with a contract for service? That's a good scenario. In fact, um, I think naturally people assume just uh, that when you are employed, you should be working five-day week, six-day week, uh, but not necessarily. So in this example that you gave, even though the employee is working only for three days, uh, which include weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, 
but I think the, the fact that the, the contract included elements of EPF uh, will give a character of uh, a contract of services. So I would be inclined to say that scenario you gave Brian is a contract of services. What about let's say this person, uh, his job is to run for a particular club. Uh, he's a 100 meter runner, every day he trains from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then again 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, but there is a certain number of hours, let's say 11 to 1, he has to go to the gym. Uh, then he has, you know, 2 to 4 o'clock, he has to go for training, uh, psychological training, and then uh, the other fixed routine trainings that he has. But he's not provided EPS or so. He's only provided an allowance. Um, but if he does win a, con a, a tournament, he gets to keep 60% of the prize money, whereas the other remaining 40% goes to the club. Would such a... What kind of contract does this person have? Um, while... I am not going to say that the moment a contract has an element of EPF payment making it automatically a contract of services I'm not going to say that but generally across the board whenever there's elements of EPF payment then if this contract is tested in court I think most judges will be inclined to say that it is a contract of services so i want to say that first yeah, that generally when the contract have an epf payment from employer to employee the court may be inclined to say yeah i think this is most likely contract of services so in this case because this uh, uh, as you said the the runner i guess is a professional runner uh, does not receive an epf i am inclined to say that this is contract for services and I, I would like to add something in that this is a typical sports scenario where there is a lacuna whether a, a professional athlete is a, a when a training and, and participating for an association or a club is he or she under a contract of services or for services for that club or association now in in, in uk uh, or in in europe and even in us uh, most courts there it has begun to acknowledge the existence of this contract called sports contract where it is a hybrid of both because an athlete usually is not a 9 to 5 uh, but in fact worse an athlete is a 24 hours they eat, sleep and work as an athlete uh, even the bed they sleep they sleep as an athlete they need a proper bed so effectively an athlete is a 24 hour job uh, but some of these athletes, they do not accept, um, uh, uh, they, don't, they don't receive EPF and so so. so uh, but there have been cases in Malaysia where in, in, in sports athletes, the athlete contract is deemed to be an employment. So uh, in some occasions, uh, the uh, courts have held that such a contract is a contract for services. So there's a little bit of uh, ambiguity there. But in your scenario that you gave me, uh, I repeat, because the athlete is not paid EPF and SOXO, then I am more inclined to conclude that this person's contract is probably a contract for services. But I hope uh, one day, uh, courts in Malaysia may acknowledge that there is this special contract called sports contract because it's unique for athletes and they're effectively a worker. They're working uh, and uh, running, training, practicing to win the medal or tournament 
and um, and that contract may be it should be given a different kind of protection. So, but that's for another podcast. Probably can do one last scenario. Um, what if a person sells houses? Uh, he has to be in the office from Monday to Sunday. He has flexible working hours, but he has to clock in every day. Uh, he meets people to sign agreements, but he cannot claim for traveling expenses. Whenever he sells a property, he gets 3% of the commission. Um, and this 3% will cover his travel expenses as well as some remuneration. Uh, he has a basic allowance, uh, very low basic allowance, but he doesn't have EPF and SOC. So would such a, a, a contract be a contract of service or for services? Now, this is a very common contract among uh, in the industry of property sales. It's actually very very agent style, you know, and very commission uh, based. So again, in this uh, scenario you mentioned, where the particular worker uh, is not receiving EPF and SOC, so uh, again, I'm inclined to say it's a contract for services. In fact, I think one of the biggest issue is about control. Does the employer have uh, strong control over the employee uh, and I think most case laws will suggest that the more control the employer have over the employee then the courts are inclined uh, to say that that is a contract of services um, but generally across the board uh, any contract to make someone work for a company the court will look at elements like um, was the EPF payment, was, uh, is leave given, uh, is there a probationary period, is there a resignation, uh, that means an exit clause for parties, uh, is there a fixed time of working, the remuneration of the person, uh, and of course, uh, whether the person is paid EPF and SOC. So these are all ca characters and factors to be taken into account before a, a contract is deemed to be off of four services. Uh, any last words, Richard? Uh, thanks, Brian. Uh, for all the listeners uh, who wish to uh, perhaps read about this, there is an article uh, on the Richard Wee Chambers website uh, written by my former team members, uh, Miss Janessa and Miss O Jialing together with me, uh, where if you Google, you will find uh, the header called The Difference Between Contract of Services and Contract for Services at the RWC website. So maybe you can have a look at that website and read it up and understand this area better. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Richard Wee Chambers podcast. Thank you.